0: What's up? What's up? What's up, y'all? Joey Womack, founder, CEO of Goody Nation, coming to you with another amazing episode of Why Relationships Matter in the Innovation Economy. And we have some dope founders for you today. We're going to talk about some interesting things. We're going to talk about their work. We're going to talk about a little bit of the struggles they may see in the innovation space. And at the end of the day, why they are so dope. Right. A special episode of why relationships matter, uh, why LGBT founders are super dope, super excited to get into this conversation. So before uh, I really, really quite honestly, talk a little bit too much, I'm going to pass it over to my co-host today, uh, the awesome Casey Willis, one of our Tech Story fellows, and we're going to give some introductions before we get into the conversation. So Casey, kick it over to you.
1: Thank you, Joey. Well, hey, everybody. My name is Casey, and I am a Tech Storytelling Fellow with Goody Nation this year. I'm also the founder of Could Be Pretty Cool, a podcast production company that makes shows about arts and culture. And this conversation is so timely. It's so important. And I really just want to give a shout out to Joey, to be honest. He was really the catalyst for saying, like, hey, Goody Nation hasn't explicitly had this conversation before." For. We haven't highlighted or featured uh, LGBTQ plus founders before. So like, let's do it now. And I think that type of urgency and awareness is what everyone should be sort of charging uh, our, our community with right now. So uh, shout out to you, Joey. But we are here to chat with some incredible founders today, and we're going to introduce them to you. Um, so starting with Chris, um, why don't you tell the people who you are, where you're from, and about your business?
2: Hello, hello. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be on this panel. Um, my name is Chris or Crystal, whatever you prefer. Um, I'm actually from Canada, so I just moved to LA last July, so I've been exploring LA. Um, And our business, we help adults with ADHD uh, by linking them up with a expert ADHD coach and they meet weekly over video and there's some in-app support as well as they slowly work towards their goals and um, whether that means skills or building routines uh, or having them get the right support or accommodations at work. Um, Yeah, thank you for having me and I guess I'll kick it to the next person.
1: Nice. What about you, Oscar? Tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: Yeah,
3: thank you so much. It's a delight to be here with everyone. Uh, My name is Oscar Pedroso. I'm the founder and CEO of Thimble.io. I'm from New York City originally, live in Buffalo, but currently in Dubai. Uh, But we provide a K-12 curriculum that teaches students computer science, robotics, and other technical fields that are becoming more and more relevant in today's workforce. Um, so thanks for having me.
1: Oh, of course. Fantastic. Uh, Rihanna, who are you?
4: Hey, everyone. It's good to be here. I am uh, I'm raised in, in Chicago. and back here a a family, but based in Austin, Texas. I founded Journey Foods. We're a software platform, P2B software platform for food and beverage companies. Uh, we also offer data services at Uh, Them transform the $3 trillion product, uh, practice product market. Uh, We specifically focus on nutrition, sustainability, and cost data so that we can improve supply chains around the world.
1: Nice, yes. The outside looks amazing. We should all probably go do that at some point later today.
4: (laughs)
5: <laughs> uh, yes.
4: Um, Anna,
1: why don't you tell us a little bit about you?
5: For sure. Great to be here. I'm Anna Deshawn. Pronouns, anything respectful is great. I have two companies, E3 Radio, we're an online radio station playing queer music and reporting on queer news and high rotation. And then we have The Cube, which is a podcast production company creating content at the intersections of race and sexuality. And we're also your hub to discover the very best BIPOC and QTPOC podcasts in the space. So if you're tuned in you got a good pod, you should be in the queue.
1: Nice, nice. And last but certainly not least, uh, Kevin. Hey,
6: everyone. I'm Kevin Hu. I'm the CEO and founder here at Firstly. And we are a B2B SaaS platform that makes it easier for program administrators at colleges and nonprofits to make, manage, and measure impactful programs.
1: Very cool. Such a diverse array of folks and and, and industry and businesses. Um, this is going to be this is going to be fun. So to dive in, I know this is our sort of like pride edition of Why Relationships Matter. But we always like to start off with you all telling us a little bit more about what inspired you to actually start your founder journeys. And while you're sort of just sharing a little bit about how you have gotten to this point now, if you want to shout out any of those relationships, whether it's your parents, your family, uh, an educator, a mentor, um, just sort of reminding our audiences and even, you know, it might be a nice little reminiscing for yourself uh, about the relationships who have helped you to get to where you
5: are today. Um, so anyone who likes to jump in? I'm happy to get started. I mean, I, I started my companies because I saw that there was a need. There wasn't anybody telling queer stories um, in Chicago. And I felt like I could do it, (laughs) I could do it well. And that's how I started in 2009 with the radio station. And then just a few years ago, I felt the same need was happening in the podcasting space. We couldn't find black podcasts. I couldn't find queer podcasts by folks of color in the space. It was just awful. I said, well, why can't we just solve the problem? And so that's why we created The Cube. I I have so many mentors in this space. Relationships are everything. I think about Tracy Bame, who I just talked to today. She's like a legend <laughs> here in Chicago, running uh, the only LGBTQ newspaper for like 40 years at this point, And it's still free, which is wild. And she just provides advice when needed, like sage advice. Like, don't do that. And that's what she told me this morning. And I appreciate that. And so for me, relationships are at the cornerstone of actual success. because your it's like your net worth, your relationships are your net worth and they mean everything in growing a business. Very nice.
2: I, oh, go, go ahead, Chris, go ahead. <laughs> I, I think I saw Oscar as well, but um, I, I can go first. Uh, so I was diagnosed with ADHD last year. Um, and when I was diagnosed, uh, Unfortunately, when I went to the doctor, they gave me medication and that was kind of the end of the story. Um, So for me, I started on this massive hunt for are there any behavioral solutions out there that are quality, that are culturally affirming and I didn't find anything that was in my price point. Um, And so I thought there must be so many more people who are like me. And so that was the impetus as to how Shimmer was started. And along that journey, I found out that um, I guess, in the vein of the Pride Month that queer people are proven to be up to twice as likely to have ADHD as heterosexual people. Um, And also women are often not diagnosed until they're an adult because of the way that uh, the DSM-5 criteria was written. Most women don't actually see their symptoms as being ADHD. They see it as anxiety or as depression and they're kind of misdiagnosed their whole life. So I'm lucky to be able to, the version of shimmer that it now is with adult ADHD and kind of the different populations that we skew to, to be able to to really hone in and serve the different populations that I really care about and that I'm a part of. Um, so along the journey, there's been so many kind of mentors and relationships um, within the queer community and outside as well that have pulled us along the way. I really don't think we could have done what we've done um, without them. And kind of one all shout out is, uh, Gangels, which is a uh, fund that invests in LGBT founders. They're one of our first investors and the pa- people around this panel know uh, when you're kind of getting started, the first few investors make such a big impact on your life because someone is telling you that, yeah, you can do it. You're gonna be able to do it and I believe in you.
1: What a lovely story. And I didn't know that statistic about uh, queer people having ADHD at higher rates, that's like also dropping knowledge for folks. Um, thank you, Chris. Uh, Oscar, did you want to share next?
3: Sure, happy to. Thanks, Casey. Um, so, I mean, my inspiration for starting Zimbalayo goes back to my time as a high school student. So, I grew up um, breaking things apart. Uh, I was always naturally curious about uh, how things were made, and. Um, When I got to high school i wanted to become part of the robotics team but i was not allowed to be on it because i wasn't part of the gifted and talented program um i had the math and science scores but i didn't have the english and social studies scores and uh so i tried advocating for myself but it um ultimately my parents ended up um, going up to the administration and then um, escalating the issue all the way up to the superintendent and finally i was given a an opportunity to to be part on the part of the team and uh, so I came in as the, the underdog, but uh, my, all my friends were part of this team as well. So but by my junior year, we had won several competitions, and then I became a program officer my senior year. Um, and I discovered my um, ability to do well in math, ended up getting a degree in math, and then I became a math teacher for a little bit. Worked in inner city schools. so I really enjoy working with kids. Um, so I was now on the other side try, um, trying to get kids interested in, in, in tech. Um, but what I loved most is working with kids that looked like me or very similar to me. Um, and, and motivating them. But unfortunately, as you can imagine, inner city schools don't always have the best programs in place. So I had the entrepreneurial itch and decided that uh, I was going to try to make a dent in the space and then started Thimble.io. Um, but relationships, you know, I wouldn't be here if it weren't for the relationships I've made along the way. Um, there have been many, and there are always new ones popping up. Um, you never know who you're gonna meet. But I would say one one impactful one, I would say was Halcyon, which is a social impact incubator. I mean, it changed my life. Um, it It taught me that before you can serve other people, you sort of have to take care of yourself. And as all of you in here can imagine, right, it's tough building a company from the ground up. So I've learned that I sometimes have to um, not put myself on in the back seat and and make sure that I'm doing well. From a physical, mental standpoint, right? Um, like RuPaul says, if you, if you if you if you don't love yourself, how the hell you're gonna love somebody else, right? So, um, also somebody I look up to, by the way. And uh, but yeah, no. So that's um, that's a little bit about me, and I'm anxious to hear about everybody else's.
1: Nice, and yes, celebrities can also be some sort of relationship if they help to motivate. You could just yes, that quote. What is it? If you can't love yourself, how in the hell are you going to love somebody else? It's so applicable to so many things. Thank you for dropping that here. <laughs> Mariana, how about
4: you? Yeah, and um, I hope you can't hear too much of the yard noise going on. I'm really inspired by it. one with the space that I'm sitting in. I've been helping my grandmother out garden the farm here for 30 years now, this year uh in this space so it's good to come back and feel here and be uh, authentic and and work directly outside in the space but one thing that comes to mind is like how i could dream a little bit more in the communities and the businesses that i've started over the past uh a little over a decade um and that those communities really started early in chicago and dc for me particularly in the woman tech founders community as we found That um, in Chicago, close to 30% of the new businesses that are started, um, and even tech companies are are started by women. And um, before 2013, there really wasn't a venture community in Chicago. There really wasn't a strong tech community in Chicago. And folks like uh, Nicole Yeary and Terry from Women Tech Founders really put some of the opportunities and resources on their back so that we could see founders that could build B2B SaaS companies, that could build consumer companies, that could build... Uh, Well-funded uh, companies or even bootstrap companies that had uh, built quite a community and could grow and create change uh, within uh, different sectors and industries, uh, as well as cities around the country and beyond. That. Uh, and I really want to to thank all the people that helped uh, me show up uh, authentically. I think when we talk about relationships, we talk about impact. Uh, and talk about entrepreneurship, it's a it's a very tough road, and the most important thing, and I think that's uh, one of the underlying factors of why we're having this conversation is that we get to the community, but like more importantly, show up authentically through, through the hard road that is entrepreneurship and And I'm really excited to look back and reflect on those opportunities uh, during this chat today.
1: Nice. you said you've been helping on the farm for thirty years.
4: Is that what you said?
1: That's amazing. Yeah,
4: I was I was a little girl, like, growing t- cucumbers so she could uh, teach me how to pickle. Um, so she migrated from Alabama in the 60s and, and brought that farming uh, identity to uh, just outside Chicago. Uh, and that's been tremendous in how I think about um, what I want to attack in the food industry because beyond that, um, and I'm sure many of us still have a lot of family members that are affected by chronic disease that is uh, closely related to food, um, even within ourselves, like we, we face uh, sort of food issues as we grow older, uh, and so it's a, it's a close and personal issue for many of us, and, and I'm happy I get to sit here and be inspired from such a young age to the work that I do now.
1: Oh, wow, yes, growth is in your your, your DNA. Nice. Um, Kevin, why don't you tell us a little more about your journey and some of the relationships that helped you to get to where you are today?
6: Yeah, absolutely. So um, my journey at Firstly, um, this was inspired by the fact that like I'm not supposed to be here. I'm first gen and low income, and 90% of students like me would drop out of college. Uh, what did help me get over the hump was when I was struggling financially as a sophomore, I had a mentor who convinced me to stay because I was literally thinking about, um, hey, like, how do I pay rent? Should I just drop out and work a minimum wage job? I'm really glad I didn't because again, like I wouldn't be here and I would be kind of stuck. And having that mentor in that pivotal time Was really important for me and my career and it was really just a life-changing mentorship experience so as we're talking about uh, impactful programs and mentors i have three people that come to mind Um, number one is my mother who has taught me the definition of resourcefulness Um, number two is my mentor andrew who really taught me not to give up even when things are hard even when you're financially struggling such as in college and Number three, uh, actually, Chris was one of the people who was really impactful for me during my MBA program at UC Berkeley Haas. Um, As it pertained to my uh, queer identity, I actually wasn't out when I had started school and really struggled with uh, feeling safe enough in the MBA community to come out. And Chris was actually one of the first people that I had told. So um you know shout out to you Chris and just for your support during this founder journey but these are the people who have really impacted me on my journey so far
2: like we love Oh my this. god you make me cry. Thank you. <laughs> you're
6: great. Oh, thank you.
1: <laughs> no like this is like literally what it's about. This is why relationships matter. This is why breaking down the the relationship gap is so important. Like someone sitting next to you literally or virtually could inadvertently be like a person who helps to motivate you. And that's just so amazing and beautiful to see. And one of the most interesting things that I heard in all of your stories is that on the road to building your companies, you discovered a problem or a challenge and figured out a way to use your company to try and solve that problem. So that's a challenge in and of itself for any founder, but in this particular landscape where we are socially, politically, I mean, I speak for myself when I say this year, it's feeling a little weird, a little weirder than it has uh, in the past um, for queer people in general, uh, the United States, some crazy laws happening and some crazy things happening. I'm curious for you all as uh, queer founders, are there any particular challenges that you have faced that are specific to your identity or specific to what's sort of going on in the world? And if so, how are you dealing with that? How have you overcome those challenges? And this is open to whoever wants to jump in.
3: I'm happy to go first. Um, So being gay in education, right? Like, it's not one of the first things that I would say when I meet somebody for the first time, right? Um, So I'm usually very private about it, but I don't want it to be something so private that I can't even talk about myself or the people that are dearest to me. So a few years ago, right, I probably wasn't comfortable enough to to say I was gay in a professional setting or networking type setting. But being part of some communities like GANGEL's, Startup Growth Labs, these are all LGBT uh, friendly uh, type programs. uh, Just talking and hearing stories from other LGBT founders and how they've handled being open about their sexuality in a, in a networking or professional setting has been very helpful for me to overcome that fear. And so now when I when I talk, I when I when I when I'm you know I always when I'm talking to people and hearing about their families and everything, I used to historically, I used to feel a little left out because I felt like I couldn't share that information about myself. And I felt like I was robbing myself of getting uh, myself known by other people. And so little by little, I've just been more and more comfortable talking about, Um, my, my fiance soon to be my husband, um, uh, are, um, my stepkids and, um, and I embrace it. And I've learned that if people don't really accept that, then they're not meant to be part of my life, so to speak. And, um, and I've helped other LGBT founders feel comfortable about themselves as well and being open about who they are. Um, but. You know for me for me that's you know not something i'm willing to negotiate on anymore and um, now i'm just i'm me as much as i can be all the time and i help. it, help, it does help me be, be a better person and founder
1: absolutely yeah well congratulations on engagement and stuff you like a whole grown-up <laughs>
6: and
1: stuff that's yes that's a lot um <laughs> anyone else want to jump in on this one
6: yeah Oscar what you said resonates with me a lot that's very much how I felt like just up until two and a half years ago when I had started my MBA program and when I really came out and I think what prevented me from showing up as queer in the workplace for so long um was some of these stereotypes that are held against queer people all these assumptions about who you are just based on something about yourself that you can't even change and so um You know just for myself and my coming out journey in a professional setting um i was always hesitant because uh even in my mba program um there were a lot of i guess uh you know my i did my mba program in one of the most inclusive places in the states i would say uh yet we still had a large you know percentage of the class that um was very judgy and um you know, there would be times when I would uh, enter a room. You know, it's an MBA party. I'd enter a room with two other queer people. I'd come out, and people would assume that we were, you know, doing something inappropriate. When I was just literally going in there because it felt overwhelmed with, uh, you know, the people around me, and it just, for me, it feels kind of unfair to have some of these things. Assigned to me, and because I I was literally, (laughs) you know, just taking a breather, so it it just makes me feel that you know, even in a professional setting, um, I'm not allowed to take a breather as a queer person and not have people judge me. So these are the things that I'm grappling with, but I've come to terms with, hey, this is part of the queer experience, especially uh, being in the workplace, and you know, I just have to really show up as myself and. Um, kind of ignore some of these people who are making assumptions, because these are the people that I'm, I'm probably not going to change their minds about me anyway, if they're going to uh, assume things about me to begin with. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, really appreciate you sharing that truth. I, I certainly hope in the future that that will not be a part of the queer experience, that expecting to be, you know, treat it differently or for people to like assume things about someone because they're queer, like that people should expect that in the workplace. So hopefully conversations like this and spaces like this will gradually, you know, shift that vibe because everyone should be able to just show up and do their best work. Um, so yes, thank you so much for that. Um Chris and Ariana, did I any oh what we got to unmute it Mike. Let me
2: mute mine. <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, I can, I can go, I I had two kind of thoughts that came to mind, especially uh, as Kevin and Oscar were speaking to. And the first one I think is there is such a big difference between being out and not being out and that experience, both with being queer and in my case, and Kevin as well, also with our neurodiversity with ADHD. Um, but those are two such different experiences and having to like make that decision, especially for me as like someone who is like not adhd presenting and like not queer presenting to be able every single day to have to like make that decision and every new person i meet like do i come out with this person do i tell them i have adhd how are they going to treat us um and also like are they even aware of all these things or i'm going to have to spend a long ass time just like telling them all these things Um, so that's definitely one dynamic i just wanted to call out as definitely being a a massive challenge in, in uh both of those identities and um, the second one that I always struggle to answer this question is because it's really hard for me to untangle like me being queer and Asian and female and also neurodiverse. And when people say like, oh, what challenge do you have from being a female or from being a queer person? I'm like, I don't know like what this challenge is coming from. I just have it. Um, and so the biggest one I can think of is actually around um, around fundraising. And I think that when most um, uh, BCs are... A, look a certain way or have a certain identity and have a certain life experience, and we all know kind of what that general stereotype is, um, they will skew to funding things that they understand. And I think all of us here are building things that we understand and that we've seen a hole for. And so that massive gap between what people are funding or what they understand and what actually we are building because we've seen a problem and we want to solve it, that is a challenge that I always feel as soon as we start touching fundraising um, but I don't know if it's because of queer or Asian or female or having ADHD. It's really just a mix of that. And I'm sure that everyone in here has a, a, a similar story um, with fundraising and, and anything really that you're interfacing with folks who don't understand what we're building.
5: Can I piggyback off that? Because for me, it is absolutely the intersectionality of my identities that is probably the biggest challenge because my businesses are completely based on identity. <laughs> and so when I talk about the Q you know, being a place of discoverability for BIPOC and QTPOC folks. The moment I say queer, trans people of color, they ignore that I am also a house for people of color right? It's like, oh, you're the queer one. Yeah, I am the queer one. I've been a professional queer for a very long time. Uh, but at the same time, my blackness is very important to me. And and being a woman is very important to me. And being a masculine center woman is very important to me. Being from the South side of Chicago is very important to me. And all of these things I bring to my business, but people, um, they choose to see you the way that they want to see you. And when I was coming into my own. I'd be in spaces where they wanted me to be black, and then I'd be in spaces where they wanted me to be queer. Um, and you know, to make everybody comfortable. And at some point, you just have to choose to be yourself <laughs> and, and show up as your full self, right? Uh, for your own mental well-being. And so, for me, my biggest challenge is people being able to see all of what I'm looking to do, and not just the part that they resonate with the most or want to connect with in that moment.
4: Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. For me, it's, it's been a challenge to navigate being a woman, being queer, being um, young uh, in in ways, uh, and being Black in very um, white male, dom- of course, most industries are white male dominated, but to be in, in B2B staff and in agriculture and food and to have customers in multiple countries and, and think about, like, when do I switch on and switch off these identities, Um, And just finally got to a point where I said, like, I have to show up in in as many ways that I associate with and, like, feel and believe in in myself as possible because my most authentic self is my most productive self, is my most healed self, is my, uh, also my most gifting self, right, to to those around me, to those that need to be authentic and work through their own challenges and also those that uh, look up to me in these spaces. And so... Um, that intersectionality has been, and was my biggest challenge uh, when it comes to fundraising, when it came, when it comes to business partnerships, when it comes to uh, feeling my whole self as an entrepreneur. And I, I think that's something that like oftentimes, uh, especially in, in black entrepreneurship circles, I uh, get miss.
1: I love that. My most authentic self is my most productive self. That's like, that's that. That's a gem right there. And speaking of of that sentiment, you know, we're in Pride Month as we know. Um, lots of companies, corporations are, you know, look, we're inclusive and we love diversity and we have a rainbow logo now. Like we're we're doing it. And then July comes and it's kind of like, oh, okay. Um. So out of curiosity, I mean, with diversity and inclusion sort of turning into like buzzy trend words now. For you as founders, what do you think the the entrepreneurship business landscape as a whole should do to actually promote true diversity and inclusion, to promote what you just said, people being able to show up as their most authentic selves and in turn being their most productive selves?
5: I think we have to call in companies that are invested in performative allyship, right? And I, I reported about this on our Queer News podcast. I mean, y'all should check it out. I think it's good. But talking about these brands, Adidas, the North Face, Target, Bud Light—those are the biggest ones that have been called, you know, to the floor. But there's so many companies that are invested in performance and not invested in in true in being a true comrade right? We've gotten over 500 bills introduced across legislatures across the country that are anti-trans, anti-LGBTQ. This is not a time to be on the fence. (laughs) This is not a time to sort of put your hands up, be like, I don't know what to do. This is a time that we must double down and call people in on what it means to see us 365 days of the year. And there are so many organizations doing the work. Time, talent, treasure, we all got something that we could be giving to organizations, to companies like ours, to show that they are truly invested in seeing us be successful and seeing our whole humanity as well.
3: I love that, Anna. You know, one, one thing I was thinking about too while you were talking is, it, you know, for, for those companies that wanna want to make the effort to, to, to have an appreciation for all people is to set the example themselves one of the first things I do now is, um, if I'm doing research on a company, I look at the team page and about us page. I want to understand the values. I want to look at all the different shades of color on the team um, because that says a lot. Um, and that just that doesn't just go for for companies in general. Um, you know, if I'm joining a program or if I'm doing an incubator and an accelerator, I I, I, I do that research because I wanna I want to know ahead of time if I'm going to be accepted right or, or and get a general idea for who who I'm going to be surrounded by right because that, that can very much set the tone for what the experience is going to be like um, and that's another thing I won't compromise on either is you know so so that, that there's there's something to be said about um, you know what people are doing in, in, in these companies leader, at the leadership level um, to show that they they truly um, place a lot of value on diversity
4: Yeah, I want to add in there. Like, I I really appreciate too, like, just the curation of folks here on the chat today. Because I feel like I've been in podcasts or interviews or you know live panels where it's just like black and white, (laughs) right? And so like sharing this experience and sharing and and all of us showing up from even um, different countries and cities right now is really valuable, I think, for the conversation.
0: Chris, did you, did you have a point of view on this as well?
2: Uh, yeah, I can share really quickly. Um, I think that, I mean, there's so many ways that companies can actually be inclusive and, and kind of have the right DEI initiatives in place. But I think the best way, um, obviously I'm a little bit biased because I have an ADHD organization, is really to have this diversity built into And the advocacy is built into the core of your business. It's not just this one thing that you do in June and you're one and done. um, But really, it's in the core of what you do. And for example, for us, uh, yes, we serve ADHD clients, but also most of our coaches have ADHD and many of our coaches are queer. And so building in just the values and the mentality that diversity is a strength. And we want you to bring what makes you special, whether that's queerness, whether that's ADHD. And we will together, if you... Tell us what are the things that you struggle with. We will work with you to build things around you, to build the right accommodations, to build the right support, such that you can spend your time thriving instead of worrying about all these things and trying to mask and try to keep those kind of struggles to yourself. Cause we all have struggles and we all have things that we're good at. And so DEI isn't just about queer people, but it's about everyone. And I think that as much as companies can build that mentality into um, kind of what Oscar was mentoring, your values or your ethos, and also your business and your core, whatever is the core thing that you do, the more we can build it into our core, then we can really say that, yes, we're standing for pride or yes, we're standing for what, whatever population it is. It's not just about this one month of just throwing money or, or um, the the i forgot the word but the the rainbow washing your logo or just putting your logo like with a flag and you're like okay suddenly we we're we're all about pride
1: like yes all of your perspectives are so amazing and i think there're things that leadership at a lot of places needs to hear and so to to pick on you again joey um you know as a fellow with your company i'm learning about your company and the things that you do And again, seeing you as a leader say, well, you know, we've never done a a Pride edition of, you know, our podcast before, but like, let's do it. Let's try it. For me, it's like, wow, you're a leader who isn't trying to sort of be like, I know everything already. You're open to learning. You're open to opening new perspectives to, you know, bringing in these conversations. And so I'm curious, why was this important for you to do this year? Why, Why did you decide to do this?
0: You know, it really crystallized for me, and, and this is like pseudo not answering your question because this thing was already in motion. But a few weeks ago, or really maybe it's around the same time, a few weeks ago, I was at Oberlin College in Ohio for my uh, for graduation. My father's getting an honorary degree, and if anyone knows about Oberlin, really progressive school. Like, I mean, and they they wear it on their sleeve. And I got a chance to go to the uh, the to so the Black Student Union. Essentially, had a uh, had their own kind of celebration of of graduates and stuff like that. And they had 30, 40, 15 maybe students come across the stage. And they all gave remarks. Um, and many of the students, um, I think, identified it with it as, as queer. And one student in particular, um, I forgot how he introduced himself. Uh, afro latino two spirited and then something and and he he did, he actually the the point of his speech which was, was near the end was he was railing on his his his, his classmates right he was railing his classmates again over in the really progressive school um they are allies seemingly from my understanding to everyone but he made the point and again it's a few weeks ago that um although they pride themselves on being really progressive and standing up for people's rights and so on and so forth. At the same time, some of the very same students who are like that black students in his case. Um, and, and I just want I want to put this accurately. He says, as we're approaching pride month, like you say, all you're for, you're for pride, but you still don't treat the students um to identify as queer as 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 humans and stuff like that. And that really struck me. I'm sitting, I'm actually sitting in the front row because my father um uses a cane and stuff like that. And that made me question: like, damn, like, are we really a goodie nation, really, for everyone? Like, we say we're closing the relationship gap for people from all backgrounds, and yada, yada, yada. But are we really, really doing it? And so at that very same moment um that he said that, or at the, the, the moment he said that. I'm like, you know what? We got to we gotta double down. We got to do what we got to do, right? And we got a long way to go. Um, but that really struck me. I, ironically, the dude the next day got on stage and started twerking and stuff. So many people didn't like him because he's just a jerk. Who knows, right? But he said that, and it really, uh, really stuck with me. So, you know, we talk about with founders when they come into Goody Nation, uh, everyone has a choice to make. Do you want to be average? Do you want to be good? Or do you want to be great? And also team members as well. Right. So culturally, we're like, do you want to be average, good or great? The, the average people kind of slide on by the good people, you know, accept coaching. But the with the great ones, you know, proactively ask how they can get better. And sometimes you have to be proactive in asking yourself how you can get better. So when when their student said that and then also looking at the identities of of everyone in Goody Nation, I asked myself the question, you know, how can we get better? Um, in this lens. And so that's what we kind of landed on. So, you know, again, I think we have a ways to go, but uh, I think hopefully we're taking a, a good first step. Does that, does that answer the question? Hopefully no, that the-
1: totally answered the question. Yes. I didn't, I didn't know that backstory either, but no, I think, I think you're definitely on the right track with this conversation and yeah,
0: great leadership, yeah. Joe cool 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 okay so i do have a question for for everyone else right so um i learned a ton from this from from your comments so far i want to kind of loop back to why you all are so dope right i want to kind of end on that why you're so dope and and, and, and i do want to rec i do recognize that we could probably do three to four to 12 episodes on just on some of the challenges but i do want to let the people know why you all are so dope so let's talk a little bit about you know some of the exciting new things you all are working on, um any exciting news from the uh, from your startup and stuff. And I, I kind of want to start from you. So again, any any dope stuff you're you're working on, things you want to share with the people.
5: I'm sorry, did you say me? I don't. Yeah, know. yeah,
0: Anna, Anna. you
5: call me. All right, cool. Yeah, let's talk about. Uh, why the Cube is so dope? Not so much about me, because that makes me uncomfortable. But the, I think the Cube is really dope because we are also producing podcasts. So our first podcast, Black HIV in the South, How Did We Get Here, was licensed to Urban One Podcast Network. I think it's a beautiful work and a call in that there is still a crisis happening with HIV AIDS in this country and specifically with black folks and black queer folks. And I would love for y'all to check that out. I also would love to give a shout out to our next podcast that's gonna be dropping called Polyam Chats where we talk about what polyamory is and not just the sex. We're talking about the business, the calendars, the communication, the breakups, the new relationships, child, it's so much. And I'm really proud about that. And this summer we're gonna go on tour And we're going to take our podcast to the people. And I hope that y'all want to tap into what we're doing and come out to one of our immersive podcast listening experiences, where we're going to listen to a whole bunch of podcast trailers with silent headphones and surround sound and something that we usually do alone, which is listen to podcasts. We're going to do in community. And I'm really excited about taking a grassroots approach to media and entertainment with podcasts because I feel like. Podcast without community is nothing. So mm. I'm I'm really excited about the work.
0: I love it. I love it. I also, want to give a shout out to uh, Denise Smith watching on LinkedIn. There, good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, Oscar, what about you? Any any exciting news?
3: Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> Excuse me. So we're um, you know, we're currently global at the moment in the US we're working in in about 47 districts a lot of those districts are in Texas Um, particularly we're working in with schools along the Mexican border and so these are kids that don't necessarily speak English as their first language but are naturally very curious and to some extent very talented when it comes to robotics and coding so um, we're we're developing more and more lessons bilingual lessons and um, I'm currently in Dubai um, and heading to Bangladesh and then India for the next couple of weeks. Um, we launched a pilot in, um, in Jaipur, India in December. Um, so we were working with kids who don't have any access to these, this type of education there. Um, so we're doing this in partnership with a couple of of organizations there. And a, a shout out to darti Desai who has uh, helped us uh, open some of these doors. But uh, we're, we're hoping that the programs that we're bringing into these schools will provide the right amount of exposure to generate some interest, hopefully develop um, um, an interest in science and technology, hopefully a passion, Um, hopefully it leads to more and more um, interest down the line, hopefully a career, but, um, you know, a lot of these kids again don't really have access to any of this so. Our goal is that, um, you know, when we're teaching this as a program, it's to some extent prescriptive, but we're trying to get it to a point where kids at some point can come up with their own ideas, get creative, invent something, who knows, maybe launch a venture of their own one day, um, all as a result of doing this. So that's some of the exciting work that we're doing. And um, we're currently talking to some folks in Latin America, which is a big dream of mine, because um, my my parents are, my family's from Honduras. So um, we're hoping that we can... Uh, uh, impact some kids down there at some point
0: i love it i love it i love it we'll love to come to come to rihanna next rihanna any any dope stuff you're working on any exciting news stuff like that
4: there's lots. there's lots. definitely I, i've been pulling back from from opportunities like this like podcasting and, and traveling for for speaking engagement because there's lots of product updates happening uh over the past few months we've received patents and um, large USDA grants. Uh, we're part of a $420 million regional uh, farmers grant to uh, digitize farmers across the country and help them get into broader supply chains in and, and restaurant and grocery. So very excited about that. I'll be heading to summer Davos in China in a couple of weeks uh, to discuss AI. And I'll probably be the only black uh, female queer person uh, there. So hopefully not. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's really, um, for me, it's really grounding to have these conversations with everyone on this call. So um, hopefully I can go in stronger to these uh, rooms and, and advocate for more of us to show up. Uh, we're also launching some major partnerships. Uh, I can't go into too many details, but they're well-known organizations that um, are very influential on more of the cultural side. Uh, that are, are going to be launching large uh, food package deals. Uh, so it's really been a product year for us. We're also closing around soon. Uh, so I'm excited to share those updates and and really been heads down on on improving the journey product and improving uh, the opportunities for our customers and for our partners.
0: I love it. I love it. I'm and I'm, I'm glad you uh, you joined us today. Uh, yeah. Chris, what about you? Any exciting things you're working on?
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, it was hard to pick. I'm gonna I'm gonna share three things. Um, so last month was AAPI Heritage Month, um, and we were able to sponsor a group of um, Asians with ADHD to get free coaching. And then prior to that, we also did a similar thing with Canadians with a financial need. So I love it when we can get our product into the hands of folks who need it the most. We're currently looking for a sponsor for a Pride Month version of that. Um, mm-hmm. If anyone is out there and listening, um, so that's the first thing. The second thing is not yet, but as of next week, we will have helped um, in our coaching model since we launched in October, we would have helped a thousand people with direct one-on-one coaching support that we're super excited about. And it spans, spans from U.S. to Canada, Australia. I think we have some people in Germany and Poland as well. So I'm just excited about like each one single individual that we're able to help with ADHD. Um and then the last thing is I'm so excited. We're super heads down similarly to Rihanna um, with our web platform. We're launched. We've been mobile only. And now I'm so excited to launch on web. Uh, I ha- It's going to happen in July. But uh reducing phone reliance and phone addiction is a massive thing within the adhd community so i'm excited to give people the option of doing web um, and meeting folks where they're at especially for folks who work on their laptop already and also um, typing is just a little bit easier than on your phone Uh, but taking this stance is a big move for us because most companies especially consumer companies um they want to take up as much as as much time on your cell phone as possible and they want to buy your attention in that way and so we're kind of taking the active optic opposite stance there, which I'm excited for that launch.
0: That's huge. That's huge. That's huge. I love it. I love it. And Kevin, what about you? Yeah, a lot
6: of exciting stuff happening with Firstly. So the one that comes to mind first is we just closed the pre-seed round of funding and, you know, really excited. We're funded by an organization that um, does a lot of education, private and uh, public sector partnerships, uh, which really fits in with Firstly Business. Uh, firstly, business model. So um, with that said, we also are going to be launching our version two web platform in the next couple of weeks that makes um, the program administrator's experience of uh, launching a program a lot easier. So that's, you know, including a self-service experience and really excited for that to go live because we're finally going to be able to serve a lot of the Smaller customer segments, smaller nonprofits, and colleges that we didn't have capacity to serve before. And, um, you know, to keep the growth going, we're looking to close a seed round of funding later in Q4. Um, But the last and probably most exciting piece of news is that we have. You know, our team so far, we've broken into the largest public university system in the U.S., which is the UC system. We're launching a program with UC Irvine uh, in the next month. And I'm really excited because I am a UC Irvine alum. So if there's any anteaters out there watching, zot, zot. Um, But, yeah, a lot of exciting stuff happening with Firstly.
0: I love it. I love it. I love it. Let's um. before I kick the Casey for her, her, her final thoughts and I'll then I'll close. I do want to go back around the horn and, and Kevin, I'll start with you just on any, um, you know, ways people can get, can get in contact with you, right? Either, you know, web or social or anything like that. So we'll go reverse order. We'll go Kevin and Chris. Um, but yeah, Kevin, how can people get in contact with you?
6: Yeah. So people can find me on LinkedIn. My name is uh, Kevin who spelled H U. Um, but aside from that, if you are interested in learning more about Firstly, um, just go ahead and go to my, our website, firstly.pro, as in program, um, or, you know, you can feel free to email me directly. That's Kevin at firstly.pro. Um, but yeah, just really looking for folks who believe in our mission of accelerating social and economic mobility to kind of join us on this journey. Nice, nice.
0: Chris?
2: Um, yes, so our website is www.shimmer.care, and you can also find us on Instagram. It is at shimmer.care if you want to see some reels of me.
0: Nice, nice. Rihanna.
4: Yeah, so everyone can find me on all the socials at Rihanna lynn You can find us uh, at Journey Foods if you're looking to improve food and beverage supply chains around the world. And I'm looking forward to
0: connecting with everyone. Awesome. We'll go Oscar and then uh, and then Anna.
3: Yeah, definitely. You can find us uh, at thimble.io. Um, also on LinkedIn, um, Oscar Pedroso. And then um, uh, my email, too. I'm always happy to get a message from anyone. Uh, Oscar at thimble.io. Feel free to reach out.
0: Say hi. There it is, Anna.
5: Yeah, I'm at Anna Deshaun across all socials. and you can follow the Cube, T-H-E-Q-U-B-E dot app. Uh, sign up and discover your new favorite pot.
0: There it is, Casey. Anything you want to leave us with? I, I mean, I really just want to
1: say thank you to the five of you. Your five individuals who are contributing to both the entrepreneurial landscape, to the making the world a better place landscape, and yes, conversations like this—they may seem like little small drops in the bucket, but. Hopefully they are a catalyst to help build that world where people can show up authentically and contribute to the best of their ability. So thank you all so much for your time today. And yes, folks, listen, listen to these leaders, these founders. Um, That's all. Kick it to Joey.
0: There it is. So listen, um, I I said you all would be in for a treat and you are you you definitely got a treat. Right. We we showed you why they are more so they showed you why they are dope. We heard some amazing things. We heard shout outs to people, and correct me if I'm wrong, like Tracy Bain, Nicole Heary, you know, I mean, Halcyon, Startup Growth Lab, Gangels, and many, many others. Uh, they talked about some of the challenges they do face um, as founders, quite, quite honestly, particularly around the intersexuality of some of their identities, which I thought was very, very interesting. Maybe we can explore that at, at a different time. But you, they showed you why they are dope. They're in spaces like education, storytelling, mental health food, and more. And so my ask for anyone watching or listening to simply support them, um, they gave you their contact information. You can also go to the goodynation.org to find out a little bit more and click on their profile under the intentionally good page. But at the end of the day, um, we ask you at least take about 30 minutes to think about how you can connect them, connect them with either capital providers, customers, other people that can tell their story, people to give them advice, potential users and things of that nature, right? We, we call that being intentionally good and they showcased, you know, why relationships do matter for them and their journey to being founders. So let's go and take those relationships a step deeper. Um, once again, my name is Joy Womack coming to you with another episode of Why Relationships Matter in the Innovation Economy, a special edition focused on why LGBTQ founders are dope, y'all. See you later and see you next month. Peace out.